right, welcome back to Cover Stories. Today we have Brandon Padier covering uh, Friend of the Devil by Grateful Dead. How's it going? It's going good, man. How's it going with you? It's going all right. Thanks cool. for being on. This is Dude. this is awesome. Hey, I'm excited. I'm I'm glad to be to to be on here and be be a part of it. Yeah, you know we we've mentioned Grateful Dead before, but we've yep. never really gotten to talk about them. And uh, they're uh, they're an interesting band because of yes. their legacy and and how it's interpreted now versus then. And, mm-hmm. Um, what what got you into Grateful Dead? What made you decide to choose this song? Sure. So this song, I I play this song uh, in my live set. Um, pretty much any time I, I play a gig or a performance, it's usually uh, like second or third in line. Um, it's one of my all time favorite uh, songs of theirs, um, and it, I think it it does a good job of introducing people who are new to the Grateful Dead who might have these like preconceived notions about yeah. them. Like, Oh, there's weird, like space jam, like <laughs> guitar based band that is just like fueled by acid, you know? And I'm like, well, they are that. Um, but they're also like, they have a really cool, uh, like emphasis on songwriting in, in most of their, their albums. I mean, their, their lyricist, Robert Hunter is one of my like all time favorite lyricists. Um, and this song does a really good job of highlighting the, the, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I know my, I think my first impression of Grateful Dead was from the movie Half Baked. Yeah. Jerry I mean, Garcia, oh, uh, a posthumous, uh, <laughs> jokey cameo. Yeah. Um, and to me, they've always been like this hippie band. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I watched Freaks and Geeks and in the last episode, the, the counselor gets uh, Lindsay, the main character, into this album, American Beauty. Mm-hmm. And they're playing it and it just, it felt like something that I should have known. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Being into music and growing up on music, it just felt like this huge blind spot. It just felt like the two lines were connected listening mm-hmm. to it. And they, they have like little montage where she's listening to it. She plays it on her record player like over yeah. and over again. And that's when I was like, oh, like maybe maybe I do like this band. Dude, they're, yeah, they're so good. I, I feel like because they, they're so like iconic in American music like history, that they are almost overlooked, yeah. um, just because of how how big of a presence they are. It's weird. It's a it's a very weird be, because they're they're overreaching, but at the same time they're very underground. Yeah, such an interesting dichotomy there. They only had one really or two really big hits. I mean, Touch of Grey comes mm-hmm. later, but that's that's almost like a different band at that point. It really is, I, which I still love. I love like late eighties Dead um, and like into the nineties Dead. I think they're great. But yeah, that's like they're. They're big. I think that was the only one that cracked the top ten of Billboard. I think Trucking uh, was the one that came close. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, a lot of these these big iconic bands from that era, they don't have a lot of hits. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to look back on and see what's remembered from that time. For sure. Um, what What's your relationship with them? When did you first hear them? When did you get into them? Yeah. So I first heard them probably in high school. And I f- I feel like for a lot of people. Uh, the point of entry is the song uh, Casey Jones. Yeah. So that was for me. I heard that song. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, uh, especially when you're like 17. Yeah. <laughs> you hear like the first lyrics, like driving that train high in cocaine. You're like, what? This is amazing. <laughs> what the heck? Um, so I heard that and I kind of dabbled uh, in high school. I didn't really touch a lot of their, their other stuff. Um, I stayed in the pretty safe territory. Uh, and I always heard like the best way to, into the Grateful Dead is to listen to her live shows. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to listen to a live <laughs> album. Like, like, 
two hours of, of jams. Like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> and then probably five or six years ago, uh, my uncle gave me a like a bunch of records he just had um, and also like bought me a few. And there was, uh, I think it was, what is it called? The, the record before uh, Touch of Grey is on, I think it's called Go to Heaven by the Grateful Dead. He sent, got me that one. Uh, Working Man's Dead, which Casey Jones is on, and then American Beauty. And I'd never really listened to American Beauty up until then, but I put it on, and the first song is, is Box of Rain, yeah, uh, which is incredible, an incredible starter. And then it goes right into Friend of the Devil, and you're just like, wait, what the heck? Like, who is <laughs> what is this band? Yeah. Um, and then, so I, that's when I started kind of digging in deep, but actually not until uh, this year when, uh, all the things around coronavirus started happening. Did I like, dig into their live stuff? And I, I've been telling people now that I've become a, a deadhead oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in time of quarantine. Because like, I've d- dug into like all of the like, Dick's Pick series um, and just like watched videos on YouTube. There's a another podcast that just came out called 36 from the Vault. And they just talk about all the, the live series albums. Oh, there's, cool. It's really interesting. It's it's for a specific type of person. Um I wouldn't recommend it for everyone, but uh, it, it's really interesting. I, I actually listened to a few podcasts to prepare for this episode, and um, it's so funny to hear the different perspectives on mm-hmm. the band. And one of them, they're from what I've heard of the podcast before, they they kind of they are they're kind of like me in that sense. I mean, they know a little bit of music yeah. theory and stuff like that, but they're really into the, the culture behind music. Mm-hmm. And two of them were like. Okay, like I understand this is good. I'm just not into it. Sure. And one guy was like, "No, I, I grew up on this, so I've got a bias." You know, yeah. my, my older brother got me into this. That's amazing. And then this other podcast, um, they three guys, very similar kind of role, but I think they're a little bit more musically trained. Mm-hmm. And and they were just talking about like the little intricacies. It was a two hour episode about American Beauty. It's oh, yeah. really good. Let me. I got the name of it here. Um, it's called Discord and Rhyme. Um, highly recommend it. They go track by track. Oh, check it out. Um, it's like a two hour long podcast. Uh, I listened to specifically about this track and the, the previous one, Box mm-hmm. of Rain. And um, it was just so cool how they broke it down and they talked about the, the trivia behind it. Um, it's interesting because they're, uh, like I said earlier, I had that interpretation of them as being just like hippie band. Yeah. And there's that old joke about, uh, you know, what did the, what did the stoner say when he ran out of weed? What did the Grateful Dead fans say when he ran out of weed? This band sucks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I kind of grew up with that kind of notion. And then just listening to this album specifically, just it just feels... I always make fun of people who are like, oh, this album changed my life. But yeah. then I hear people talk about this. I'm like, oh, no, I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it. I feel like in modern day, like music, music society or music lovers, I feel like it's a lot phrases it's because there's so much available it's hard to like find something new and have it like spark like a wondrous moment for you so for me i i'm a big like collector of vinyl records so i i would love to build out my my dead collection i have quite a few of their their albums um and this one's obviously on it but especially hearing it on that like that really like uh, there's just something more textural to yeah. it. It's like having like the sleeve and like looking at the liner notes, um, just the the physical media of it changes it for me a little bit. But also, I I do understand what people are like. Oh, I can't really get into this. Yeah. Thing. But 
I've always told people, like, if you want to get into the, I think the better way than the live shows to get into the dead is to get into, like, American Beauty yeah. and Working Man's Dead. Yeah, uh, I mean that, that's that's kind of how that's that's how I did it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's one of those things that um, I mean everything. Even though Robert Hunter is not, I mean, he's a part of the band. Yeah. He just wrote the lyrics. Yeah, he, he was just their lyricist. He did write um, not on this record, but he he I can't remember the second song, but he did write music and lyrics to it's actually a Jerry Garcia band song um, called "Must Have Been the Roses," and that song's beautiful. But yeah, he was primarily their lyricist. For all their stuff, and he's like phenomenal. Yeah, uh, just the way he writes because he can write really simple like folk songs. Uh, like I think this is a pretty simple folk song. It's really nice storytelling, like very concise. There's not a lot of fat on it, uh, songwriting wise. But then he can write these really immaculate, uh, very poetic songs. Yeah, um, like Saint Stephen. Um, what's the other one I like to? Uh, like Dark Star, which is an earlier song, which is big and space jammy and is amazing. Um, he just has a cool way with words that I feel like is highly underrated uh, in terms of like classic songwriters. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny because I mean, a lot of I mean, even like Box of Rain, it's it's metaphorical, obviously, and it's poetic, but it doesn't sound pretentious. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound contrived, and it, it just sounds sincere and authentic sure and the interesting thing about the fact that he writes all the lyrics and the rest of the dead perform it mm. is it still sounds personal yeah um i don't I, I could be misunderstanding this but i know phil lesh's dad the bassist's dad died and he wrote box of rain the music and then mm-hmm. hunter wrote the lyrics but i don't know if they collaborated on that but it is it does feel like a death song or about de- grieving song very, yeah very much so it's like grief but like being able to kind of see your yourself on the other side of it yeah. it's still like i mean even in the the melody is very uplifting like in its feeling um though it is yeah it is a heavy song about grief it's being able to see yourself um like working on that and being in the moment but also moving moving forward from it yeah and and i mean they they all kind of sing i feel like kind of takes the lead on that one right on box mm-hmm. he's the, sing, the lead singer on that one i believe so yeah and uh i think that's the only real song he sings right mm-hmm. um but the the way they harmonize together, I've listened to a lot of stuff. I, mean, I, I think they're they're decent singers. But a lot of yeah. people talk about how they they're not special, but oh, yeah. it just it's perfect. They, they blend perfectly yeah. together. Yeah. Apparently they had their you know they're friends with uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, mm-hmm. um, pre Young, yes. and that they actually asked them for tips on harmonizing, and and they have the same t- like I would have never been able to tell that it was that wasn't Jerry Garcia singing. Honestly, I feel they all yeah. sound yeah. I mean, the, the only person who has a really, I I, I think they all blend well. But I think the one person who has a very distinct voice from the, the, the group of them is probably Bob Weir, just because it's a lot lower in register. Um, and he loves to sing a lot of, like, cowboy songs. Oh, yeah. uh, so, like, he, he takes the lead on trucking. Um, that's why you have that really low uh, voice in there. But they're, yeah, they're all great. And none of them are, uh, like, classically phenomenal singers, yeah. you know? Like, you're not going to get, uh, like, any sort of, big bombastic like yeah. Freddie Mercury thing or like <laughs> Robert Plant thing. But yeah, the way they harmonize together um, and like you were talking about Crosby, Stills and Nash, they, they took lessons from because they heard that first uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash record. And like, we want to do that. Yeah. You know, like we were, and so they, they literally did. They put out those two records in, in 70. They're, I think they stack up 
just as well, you know, as that first Crosby Stills Nash record. It's so interesting to hear about like all these iconic bands were just all friends. You yeah, know? they're it's all so like, funny hanging out in each other's apartments and yeah. and you know I, I don't know if it's maybe it's a little bit different now in in mainstream music at least to where you didn't really see it a lot. I feel yeah. like Canada's had it down in like the late nineties, and mm-hmm. I was re- reading an article about that "Steal My Sunshine" by Len, mm-hmm. and they got the sample from that that get more and more and more song for, and. They got that because they heard it at a party hosted by the guys from Broken Social Scene. Oh wow, that's amazing! And the guys from Sum Forty One were there too. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> it's so it's so cool that like everything's kind of connected, especially in in that era yeah. of music. Um, this is also, if I understand correctly, American Beauty is the first album that Garcia plays more steel guitar. Yeah, uh, you you get some in in Working Man's Dead, which came a little bit before this one. But yeah, he does a lot of pedal steel on this record, and also. Uh, here's a, a good tie-in. F- Friend of the Devil originally was written by Robert Hunter for the band New Riders of the Purple Sage, which is another like L.A. hippie cowboy band. Um, John Dawson, right? Yeah, or, or what's the something? Name? Something Dawson. I yeah. can't remember his first name. John or Jack. But so Robert Hunter was showing Jerry Garcia the song. He's like, "Oh, that's cool." So they went through separate ways and. Jerry Garcia came back to Robert Hunter like the next day. I was like, no, that's going to be a dead song. And he just <laughs> took it from new writers. But he plays, uh, Garcia plays pedal steel on the, the first new writers record too. Okay. Um, and it's his, his playing, he's just a phenomenal yeah. musician. Uh, I mean, for his history, like he grew up playing bluegrass banjo and all this, but to be able to, to play pedal steel is a whole other thing entirely from regular guitar for me. I mean, I've grown up on country music most all my life, country and folk music most all my life, and uh, just being able to to look at that, and it, it looks totally foreign from a guitar. It has strings, but it just feels like totally different. So the fact that he's able to be like, oh, yeah, just sit down and, <laughs> and play it. Um, there was a story one time that I can't remember who it was, that w- but they went over to Jerry Garcia's house, and they said that he was sitting in his living room. Uh, the TV was on and like cartoons were playing. It was like Saturday morning. And he was just sitting on his couch like either playing a guitar, like practicing guitar or practicing pedal steel. Just like hours and hours. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's how you get really good at it. So. Yeah. It's interesting too because uh, from what I understand, none of them except Les were really classically trained. Yeah, They yeah. all were kind of self-taught. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it, it's just so cool to, to see that. Um, I mentioned Dawson because I believe he co-wrote the song, right? Um, the friend of the devil. I can't remember. He he might have. Um, from what I understand, he came up with the title and the mm-hmm. chorus. Yes, that that's right. I did. Yeah, I did. I read an article where they were talking about that. But yeah, all the verses are oh, yeah. are Robert Hunter. But yeah, it's funny that he helped him co-write it, and then he was like, "Well, sorry, it's actually <laughs> go- going to this band." I feel like they're pretty pretty democratic about sharing the song. There's so many different bands have covered it, and mm-hmm. I mean, they made a different version. By the time they yeah. were done, it was a totally different version. For sure. I was hearing that, uh, like later in, in the late '80s, they they kind of turned it into like more of a reggae. So they slowed it down yeah, a bit. They slowed it way down, and it's I don't like it as much. I like, uh, uh, I mean, I love most of the dead sets. Like in any live performance, will have like an acoustic set to start the show, um, and being able to hear it in in that form, I think I like I like a lot better than when yeah when they slow it way down and make it a little bit jammier, a little bit yeah. more reggae based. Um, though it does, I 
I think every song, every iteration has its merit. Um, it's just personal preference. Yeah. What do you prefer in terms of, I mean, they're more bluegrass kind of Americana stuff or they're more like psychedelic stuff? That's interesting. Um, if I'm looking, if I'm listening to their studio stuff, I'll probably go more like their folk, like country bluegrass stuff. But I love uh, live, like, well, in quotations, disco dead, like the late <laughs> 70s into 80s, like that Shakedown Street, Terrapin Station era is amazing. It's so fun just because uh, by that time you have like Garcia and Weir like playing with those like envelope filters on the guitar. <laughs> it's so strange and like everyone's like pretty coked out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it sounds really cool. It's such an interesting uh, period because they kind of go, they leave there uh, after Jerry Garcia goes into the coma they come out of that, and they uh, kind of go back. They basically do like a, I would call it like arena bluegrass and yeah. quotes, like to where that's very country based music, like Touch of Grey. Touch of Grey is a country song, yeah. you know, just with like more electrified instruments. Um, but yeah, so I, I would say if this for studio stuff, I'm definitely going for the uh, acoustic folk songs. But if I want live, I. I, you gotta have the the big jams. Yeah, um, it's it's funny because uh, I I think the first song I ever heard from them was Touch of Grey, and I think I saw it on like pop up video. And um, I I don't know why I was really into that one Traveling Wilbury song. Oh yeah, and it uh, reminded me a lot. It's kind of the same era. Is it uh, Into the Line? I, it's the one where they're on a train together. Yeah, that's that's yeah. Into the Line, which I I was just listening to that song. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I love yeah, I love the those weird like eighties songs from the 60s yeah. 70s rockers I'm like how are we going to fit into this new thing and they've put out some great stuff you know like, i feel like a lot of it's hit or miss but the hits are hits it know? feels authentic it doesn't feel like they're you know wearing they're not like undercover cops at a high school yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah for sure that happens a lot especially now you know you get like these older artists from the 90s trying to hang and it just yeah. feels feels weird mm-hmm. but uh yeah that that time i mean that's i was also i mean i was born in 87 so this okay. is i wasn't there when it happened yeah yeah so I, I don't know how it was back then but i mean it's so cool i, I love talking about the Woolberries just because i love tom petty yes that him and prince dying year like almost a year apart oh that, that, that was broke terrible me. yeah yeah and I, I love that you know back then he was the new kid in in the block and like Harrison I, Harrison's my favorite Beatle. Yeah, me too. Oh, cool, cool. Because yeah. it, and it's funny because in your voice I kind of hear a little bit of oh, really? it. Really? That's a that's a big compliment. Oh right? man, yeah. I, I love your voice. Your voice is Thank great. You. It just it resonates. It, it's just uh, it hearing you rec- like it sounds like I'm hearing you on on like in the studio like Thanks. hearing you live. So uh, so yeah, I hear a lot of like you know, here comes the sun kind of mm-hmm. error. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, but but I, I like Harrison. Uh, my parents love Roy Orbison, and you know I, we've always kind of been into Bob Dylan. So like them, with Tom Petty being the young guy in that mm-hmm. group, like them kind of passing the torch, was just really cool to kind of have that come together. Yeah, and it was a it was almost like he was bringing them into the eighties, and they were like you know saying showing the old people like hey this guy's sure. cool. <laughs> yeah, because I mean right before then, um, Dylan and Tom Petty did that world tour. Which is is crazy, but so yeah, Dylan and Petty did a world tour, and then actually Dylan and the Dead did a, a oh, big cool. like stadium tour, uh, and they the they put an album of that of 
kind of a compilation of some of those tracks from the Dylan and the Dead um, tour. And it's it's not a good album, <laughs> but I, I like it. Uh, but it's a, it's a little bit of a rough listen. For people who love to make fun of Dylan's like nasally voice, yeah. like, I've <laughs> never heard it like more like nasally Dylan than on, <laughs> on that record. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge Tom Petty fan. He's like easily like top three like songwriters for me. Um, and yeah, so the Wilburys like has pretty much almost all of my favorites oh, yeah. in there, you know, because you have a Harrison, you have Dylan, you have Tom Petty. And I, lo- I love Roy Everson too. And it's always, I'm like finally now getting into like Jeff Lynn's stuff, like ELO. I always forget his name. So yeah, <laughs> he's always the, he's a, he's the Ringo. <laughs> yeah, he's, the, he's, the, he's, he's really good. I mean, I love, I love electric light orchestra. I've just now started to get into their stuff. But I mean, even those, like the solo Tom Petty records were his production. Um, and that, although I love Petty with the heartbreakers, I love that raw, like really pure yeah. rock and roll sound. I do love what he was able to do with Tom Petty, especially uh, that full moon fever record. Like literally, you you talk about the greatest hits of Tom Petty's career, <laughs> and like four of them are on that album. It's like, what? How did y'all do that? It's it's cool to see, and we we talked about him on a previous episode, and and how he just transcended. I mean, before he died, maybe a few weeks before he died, he played at um, Hollywood Bowl, I believe, mm-hmm. and this guy was a journalist. I can't remember who was writing about it, and he said that he looked behind him, and there's people in their seventies, people in their sixties, people in their forties, people. People in their twenties, yeah, and they all know all the words. Mm-hmm. And there's not anything. It's not a situation where like, oh, they're here for this area. Time. No, they're here for all of it. Yeah, and it's just I. I don't know if it's just. I mean, it's a lot harder now. I mean, I'm sure the industry is different now, but you don't really see that much. And there aren't very many people like that. I mean, Prince was another guy like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I one thing my uh, my friend from college and I used to like to do is like to to compare like who is our generation's version of oh yeah 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 and we the closest up until recently and maybe musically we still feel this way but just what everything gets ha- happened controversially was Ryan Adams yeah kind of hit on that that Tom Petty yeah, he really did and <clears throat> although it's probably taboo to say like I do I'll still listen to Ryan yeah. Adams like he's he has his issues um for sure but I mean his songs are so good you know and they they do that Tom Petty thing to where they're like deceptively smart. Yeah. They're so, they're so easy to listen to, but they, you, if you dig into the lyrics, like, Oh, this is, this is actually like very, very like intensely like profound songwriting. And I, I long to do that, you know, be able to take something like make it feel and sound really simple, but have it hit in such a profound way. Cause that's, that's how, that's how they're able to do it. You know, especially Tom Petty, like yeah, all of his songs are, are so simple, but incredibly profound. The layers are, are just, I mean, it's just so interesting to, to kind of, I mean, like I'm not a big lyrics person unless they're, sure. unless they're obvious Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and hearing, you know, going back to box of rain, especially mm-hmm. like I, I knew that this was about something without yeah. even like knowing what the words were, just like hearing the way he says it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of, of Salinger, JD Salinger. Oh yeah. And you know, he doesn't write anything specifically profound, but the way he puts sentences together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Robert Hunter is a lot like that. For sure. And uh, just the band as a whole, it just, you know, everything kind of comes together. Yeah. Um, so you said you grew up on country. What, what were some country artists that you? Yeah. So my, uh, my dad was, big fan of like 80s and 90s country so i i grew up on 
like the pop country staples, which I will still listen to now. Like I play in a country cover band here in town called the Texases. And so we do all those. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so much fun. So we, I used to listen to like Brooks and Dunn, George Stray, like Dwight Yoakam. Um, and I, I kind of, I, I kind of had to figure out for myself like what, uh, in quotes, like good music was not that those songs aren't good, but like to start the journey, I feel like some people will have a, like a guru or someone to yeah. go to. Um, uh, my stepsister and I, she's about six months older than me. We, uh, like she would hear something and she'd be like, Oh, like listen to this. And I'd listen to it. Like she found, found out about Bob Dylan because one of her friends had an older brother who like was basically passing that knowledge. So it came from like him to them to me. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, this is amazing. Like, and so that's how it started for me was, uh, Bob Dylan. I think the first Dylan song I ever listened to was uh, "Mr. Tambourine Man," which is a, you know, a great song. Um, but so, and that's I, I feel like a lot of his stuff is very like country, country yeah. rooted, you know. Um, and then I, I grew up as well, like with country and stuff, but also a lot of classic rock. I feel like most dads yeah. are like that. Like, we're listening to country. We're listening to classic rock. <laughs> Um, but luckily, my dad was not a big, like, 80s hair metal guy, which is <laughs> nice. Like, I kind of avoided that uh, awkward phase. Um, but so he his favorite bands were, like, ACDC, you know, like Eric Clapton. And although Clapton can be a little uh, bland and a little... Pos- uh, um, <laughs> Adult contemporary. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, like, some of his songs are pretty good. And, I, and it's usually, usually the songs you're like, oh, like, this is really good, like how did he write this? Like, Oh, no, JJ Kale wrote this. And then he gave it to Eric Clapton. Like, Oh, that makes sense. Um, but so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I grew up on. My, my mom listened to a lot of, uh, like Christian contemporary stuff, which is, I, I grew up in the church. Um, and I, I still go to church, but I, I, I do think a lot of that music is incredibly bland. Uh-huh. You know, like I understand the message behind it, but if you could make it like maybe eighty percent more interesting, <laughs> like musically interesting, you'd probably grab a lot more people. You're talking about like, like Amy Grant and like casting crowns. And, yeah, okay. yeah. That, <laughs> DC Talk, that whole mess. DC Talk is they're they're a little different. I would have never they, thought they were a Christian. Yeah, band. DC Talk is actually interesting, but a lot of the other stuff is is pretty <laughs> yeah pretty white bread. Did you grow up in San Antonio? Yeah, so I grew up a little bit outside this small town called Lavernia, Texas, okay. uh, but. My my dad lived in town, so pretty much every other weekend I'd come into town. And once I was able to drive, pretty much every weekend I was coming in and, and hanging out because I would uh, just hang out with my my sister and and our friends over here, and we'd go and drive around and like steal or like get the older brothers to like buy us like like twenty four packs of Bud Light when we were like <laughs> seventeen and just like hang out in the park, you know, or whatever and listen to Zeppelin 2 or whatever. I feel like growing up in San Antonio, it's de- it's hard not to have like that classic rock influence. For sure. I'm at a radio station. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of stuck in that time, which is not a bad thing. It's just, yeah. Yeah, that's like what you get. You get the, yeah, like the classic rock stations or the country stations. Yeah. <laughs> pick one. Um, it's, it's funny you bring up Clapton because uh, Clapton, I the first song I heard by Clapton was Tears in Heaven. Mm. And I heard it when I was a little kid. 
And I was like, oh, this guy has my name. He, s- he spells it differently, yeah. but this is cool. I'm going to like this guy. And then I remember uh, my parents told me about that song's about his kid who died. And, you know, I kind of had this connection to him. And then I hear like the cream stuff yeah, and then Whoa. the Derek and the Domino stuff. And yeah. I'm just, it's like, he's like a reverse John Mayer to me because John Mayer started out very adult contemporary mm-hmm. and he's still like, hey, I'm a blues guy too. Yeah. And the Clapton's kind of done the opposite. And he's been the kind of a central figure in, in from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Yeah. And just, I mean, I was just listening recently that he, when George Harrison started writing songs for the Beatles, mm-hmm. and he was, was upset that he wasn't getting his fair shot, he left. And John Lennon told him, okay, fine, we're going to call Eric Clapton. Yeah. And that blows my mind just to think like, oh, like he was a part of that era too. Mm-hmm. It's so funny to, to think about that. I mean, because he, he tracked the... The guitar on uh, while my guitar gently weeps oh yeah um which is a cool solo uh and you you would never know uh because it's all like warbled out and he he tried to make it sound as as beatly as possible i i remember hearing a story to where uh, they were in the studio and uh he was asking i think he was asking george he's like how do you want me to play it he's like well, play how you play i don't <laughs> care like you do you that's why we brought you in here um yeah, he's he's an interesting cat. I my favorite era of him is definitely Derek and the Dominoes. Um, even though it's really one record, technically like two or three, because they have the the live record and the live record is great. But uh, that Layla record is is really good. And for people that think that he's very just kind of like bland yeah. <laughs> i i i'll direct people towards x i'm like this is a, an incredible record um and i i'm such a, a a junkie for old music like most things in the past five ten years don't really come on my radar that much for better or for worse yeah um unless it's like more underground or like indie stuff uh just because there's there's so much music that yeah. has already been made. I'm like, look at all this really cool old stuff, guys. I'm like <laughs> the guy in the antique shop. I'm like, look, come on. Um, but yes, I I'm I love uh, like classic class classic music, even though it was only like 50 years ago, 40 years ago. But that that stuff, it all it seems to resonate more for me. And I feel like a lot of the songs that I write kind of reside at least mentally in this similar place because that that's what i've always listened to that's what i i love to discover um and that's usually what hits me harder than um the most modern stuff not all but most modern stuff that's coming out yeah i think a lot of it too is just uh, the context Mm -hmm. you know it's hard to establish context for newer things and i mean even though we're in the moment obviously it just it doesn't feel like I mean, I, I associate Bob Dylan with Vietnam, you sure. know, and, and I mean, I think maybe one of the first times I heard along the Watchtower was in Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. During the Vietnam scenes, mm-hmm. you know, and just stuff like that. And, and I mean, granted, it, it may not be accurate all the time. Yeah. It, it's still that's my person. No matter what For happens, sure. it's going to be what I think of mm-hmm. him. And um, and yeah, uh, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's funny ring up. Uh, while my guitar gently weeps because and I mentioned uh, Here Comes the Sun I forget those are Beatles songs yeah. to me those are George Harrison songs mm-hmm. and it's just so weird that like uh, I mean it, it obviously it's later Beatles stuff sure. but uh, it, it was cool to see him kind of taken away from that and then like uh, obviously you can hear songs like oh that's a John song that's a Paul mm-hmm. song etc but that's one of the reasons why I've loved George so much because he was kind of the black sheep of the Beatles yeah, for sure 
Um, I felt like Ringo was. I I, I think the, we were talked about them recently, and I compared him to the Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. Ringo was like the party Michelangelo guy. Yeah, for sure. And then George was the Donatello. Like he was the smartest one, but he always got k- kind of cast aside because yeah. John and Paul were always button heads. Yeah, <laughs> and the, the only time they ever came together was when George would come at them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they ganged up on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there's a great, um, a great podcast called Rivals. There's oh, a, I love that. Oh yeah, man, I, I love just, Stephen Hyden. He's yeah, he's amazing. So Stephen Hyden is the host of that Thirty Six from the Vault. Oh, okay, cool. Podcast that I was telling you about earlier. Yeah, uh, I got I bought his book because I, I started seeing people like I follow a lot of writers and uh, internet writers and they always recommend stuff that he written. For sure. And uh, he wrote a book called um, "Your Favorite Band Is Killing Me." Oh yeah, yeah. Have you read it? No, I've been wanting to read, it's read really that good. one and then um, "Twilight of the Gods," the that, second book he put out. Yeah, I want to get. I've, I'm like I've got a queue of like five books I need to read first, but uh, that one's really great. And that's kind of what inspired Rivals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they have two episodes dedicated to Beatles, one John versus Paul, the other one John and Paul versus George. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much from it. And it's so, oh, it's yeah. compact. It's not too, too wordy. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, I don't know why I'm telling you, you notice. <laughs> you listen to it. Yeah, it, they, yeah, they give a good, a good concise history of it. Um, it's also incredibly informative. Yeah. And I, I've, uh, it's funny cause he's maybe about 15 years older than me, but I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I have his same music taste. Yeah, no, me too. The the Pavement episode, Pavement versus Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, I haven't listened to that one. It's yet. good. I, I I love Pavement and I love. Me Smashing too. Pumpkins, it's but. so fun. I I feel like when I tell people I like Pavement, they either roll their eyes because they're like, "Of course you would," or they're just like, "Why?" Was <laughs> <laughs> it <are> good? <laughs> I uh, I'm not a great guitar player mm-hmm. and i feel like between him and joey santiago from the pixies i'm like yeah. oh you don't have to be good you can just be weird mm-hmm. you know make these little sounds here and For there sure. <laughs> yeah i mean that's a, I mean that's a lot of that kind of post-punk grunge yeah even even punk stuff uh is you get the you get the feeling like oh you don't you don't have to be a good like good guitar player you don't really have to be a good singer you just have to bring energy and you have to yeah. just kind of inspire the crowd you're working with which is, i i think is the best message you can give anyone because especially like what what punk and all that came out of is just like huge guitar arena rock stuff um and i as much as i love zeppelin they did kind of start that and they kind of you have that and you have uh, like heart and kansas and yeah all those bands which I feel like as you, there's a weird distillation as you go from like 60s, early 70s into the late 70s that happens where it gets more and more bland and then you get a new, like a brand new thing in punk. Yeah. And then it gets kind of, I feel like once you pass like grunge, you start to get that distillation again and stuff like Creed and (laughs) Queensryche or whatever. (laughs) Oh man. And I feel like it happens in, in most every genre, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, it it, it gets watered down. It mm-hmm. gets duplicated so much, and and sometimes it's always funny to see. And this is something I kind of champion a lot. And it's where you have the next generation ends up killing the original generation because they don't know any better. Yeah. But you talk to them, like you can talk to a band like Fall Out Boy, and they obviously are very big under radio, big pop band. But they grew up in like grindcore bands and yeah. like they grew up on punk and like hardcore and they don't sound anything like that no, not at all. um the one I, I this is probably a drinking game like i always bring up on the podcast is the germs belinda carlisle uh, was in that band mm-hmm. on drums and the germs 
were inspired by um, by the Runaways. Oh yeah, Lita Ford was in the Runaways. Mm-hmm. Lita Ford turns around and starts getting into kind of hair metal. Pat Smear from the Germs joins Nirvana, and they end up killing hair metal. Yes. It's a weird little, like, you know, cycle of things, and it, it's almost ed- Oedipal in a way, yeah, you know? Sure. It's really, it's, it's poetic in the sense that, like, you know, you're not going to be there forever. And I think the people that lived along, like, you guys like, you know, even the dead, you know, they yeah. embraced the younger generation, mm-hmm. and they never looked at them as rivals. They helped them, you yeah. know? Dylan does that now, still, you know, 70 years oh, later. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> Um, what are what are, I know you said that you, you kind of you know, about five years behind when it comes to the modern stuff. What are some of the more modern uh, acts you like? Oh, man, let me pull this up. Um, there's a band. Well, so I love uh, like Andrew Bird. Oh yeah, uh, I think I think his music is is amazing because it's it's very symphonic, but also like pop centric, and I think he's an incredible writer. Um, Phoebe Bridgers. Oh is yeah, incredible. Um, I listened to a podcast with her, and I that's when I realized she's a decade younger than me. Really? <laughs> yeah, she was born in like ninety four, ninety five. Well, you're you're gonna hate me. I was born in ninety three. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a, I'm a little bit younger than you. So, but yeah, the fact you've that got an old soul though. So I, like, yeah, I, I, I'll take that. And I've, I got old soul, and I have gray in my beard already. So <laughs> I'm basically an old man. Um, yeah, pretty much anything that kind of catches my eye, like. In like the jazz realm, like Kamasi Washington. I don't know if you've ever listened to him. He's incredible. He actually here's a, a pull from earlier. He played saxophone on New York, New York by Ryan Adams. Oh wow! That, yeah, that saxophone in there is Kamasi Washington, and he did a lot of the horns on that Kendrick Lamar album to Pimp a Butterfly. Oh, cool! Um, so he he's incredible. Uh, he'll do everything from like free jazz to like very like orchestrated stuff and. He, he's amazing. I I I played uh, guitar in a jazz ensemble in college or in, cool. in high school, and uh, so jazz for me is is a, a a lovely lovely genre that that I love. That I feel like will get overlooked a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, what's funny? I get not really in San Antonio. Surprising. I feel like there's a lot of uh, a lot of guys. A lot. Of, I say this like very accurately a lot of kids who are in the jazz scene in town right now who are phenomenal players i mean like all the guys from that band mr pidge yeah uh, especially like daniel miller is literally he's a god on the guitar <laughs> i don't i don't know how he does it. he's like he's like 21 years old i'm like how are you better than anyone i've ever heard in my life uh but so it, it's crazy those are like so those are a couple of ones that uh are kind of on my radar, um, like Langhorn Slim and, uh, oh, what's his name? A lot of dead air here when you cut. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think um, I, jazz is definitely something that I forced myself to listen to as a sure. kid. And my dad was always really, he was kind of on the, for a while, he was kind of just on the, like, the, the, the shallow end of jazz. Mm-hmm. He got me into Miles Davis yeah, and yeah. Coltrane and, and then, it's funny because we kind of we were separately going on this like adventure, kind of digging in, sure. but we all came across different things. And I really liked like kind of like bebop era. Yeah, um, he kind of got more into hard jazz. Okay, yeah, like hard bop, which is like pretty soon after. Yeah, the bebop era. Yeah, and it's just so funny that we kind of came together and we kind of shared. It was like mm-hmm. it, it was almost like I mean, him and I have a relationship where I mean, he got me kind of very similar to you. He got me into classic rock sure. and things like that, and it was just so cool to kind of share this stuff with him. Um, there's an album with Duke Ellington, um, 
Max Roach, and Mingus called Money Jungle. Oh, or ju- yeah, Money Jungle. It's my favorite jazz record. Amazing. I love, I love Mingus. I, I, oh, yeah. I'll check that out. Money he's he's just so cool. Like I mean, just hearing his bass lines, it's just it's it feels like smoking a cigarette. For, oh my god, incredibly <laughs> so. Um, yeah, he's a he's a great band leader too. Like all of his his uh, ensemble records are are phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, I, I like I like him a lot. I uh, I mean, I got into Coltrane, and mm-hmm. um, I uh, I like I like uh, Miles Davis's fusion stuff. Yeah, bitches brew. I mean, I know it might be cliche to say it now, but it's just it's just really it just feels like you're like going on an adventure. It in your really head. does. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's a a pure experience yeah. of an album, and there aren't many like that in the world. Like where. I almost prefer like listening to it on a CD or on Spotify as opposed to a vinyl record just because you can have those songs like one after another after yeah. another. And there's only like five songs on a two LP thing. You know? <laughs> it's a, it's amazing. And the like the amount of like incredible musicians that he had on there too were, it was simply amazing. Um like who the hell? He's really good about kind of bringing on guys who, sure. and it's one of those chicken and egg things. You don't know if like those guys got big because of Davis or is like he saw something in it that they were going to get big regardless. And mm-hmm. It's like I'm going to be a part of that. Yeah, I think he definitely helped like expedite their their learning oh, yeah. process for sure. I think I think it's a little bit of both. Like I think he knew that they were going to be big. Um, I think he also knew like the what he could get out of them. Yeah, uh, and also what they could learn from him. You know, because Especially by the time of Bitches Brew, because you you have like Herbie Hancock in there, who's a, a newer guy at in he's 69. like seventeen, yeah, yeah. It's so crazy. I feel like most of those guys in the in the Bitches Brew band were like sixteen, seventeen, yeah. nineteen. It's nuts to, to <laughs> think about that because you listen to you're like, are you sh-? like these people all sound like they've been playing for millions yeah. of years? Um, and so it's crazy that he's able to just pull that that genius out of them. And I mean that's that's for sure the genius of Miles Davis. Oh, I mean, yeah. Anytime anyone, it's like a coach in a way. It very yeah for sure. That's that's the funny thing because you you said the shallow end of jazz, but I feel like even with Miles Davis, like there's a shallow end to Miles Davis. Yeah, you know? he's got his own pool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's separate from everything yeah. else. Yeah. Um. You know, it's funny because uh uh. We we got in contact via uh, Cody Cody Mauser yeah. who's in Rich Hands. We've had Matt from the Rich Hands on, and he I never meant it like as as an insult or anything, but I always used to say, especially with their last album, the last Rich Hands album, like, you you guys have like this dead rock sound, and yeah. that's just the only way I could describe it. And I meant it in the sense that like these they're all you know younger guys, and, sure. and they sounds like they've been playing for thirty years together, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I, I compared them to like Thirty Eight Special, but he's like, I think we sound more like Bob Seger. I'm like, that works too. Like yeah, that's probably hey, better. Bob. You know, and it's it's cool to see this kind of um, this uprising of of not just was an uprising, but like this this new cycle of 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 younger artists who go back into that music. Yeah. You know, and it it goes in and out of being cool, and, and it comes back, and it sounds authentic, it sounds original, and they sound like these old bands, but it's not like a copy. Yeah, for sure. I mean that that's what what I always try to do. Like, and I think that's where like we were talking about a little bit earlier, where the distillation comes. Is because you, uh, for maybe a lot of people, maybe not all, or maybe not most, but you, 
you look towards the thing that came like right before you and yeah. you're like, well, let me do something like that. And so it's going to be a distillation of that, but that came from something else and that. So for me, uh, particularly, I love to go back and listen to those bands in the sixties and seventies, because for me, that's the pure source, um, to where like everything exploded from like very, very much the big bang of, yeah. of, of contemporary music. So if I can, if I can glean from that and if I can, take that and distill it in my own version. Uh, I think it's, it, it may not be for, for everyone, but for me, it's the the closest thing I can get to producing something as pure as that um, musically and, and lyrically. Yeah. I, I love those, those like accidental situations where especially, you know, of any, anybody of any age and they're talking about like someone's talking to them like, Oh, you sound like so-and-so and they have no idea who that is, but you would think that they would, you know, you think that the influence was there and then they are, you know, subconsciously influenced, even though they've never heard that band sure. before. Yeah, they probably like somebody who liked them. And exactly. Yeah. Just like you said. Yeah. Um, so uh, do you have any, any final thoughts about, you know, Grateful Dead about, about the song? Uh, go, go listen to the original version. You know, that's, that's what I say. I mean, it, it, if you're, if you're on the fence about the Grateful Dead, um, I, I implore you to to have another listen and to to really do a deep dive because they're they're worth your time and effort. Yeah, for sure, I completely agree. Uh, it, to be honest, it was hard for me to get past the first two songs because I kept on wanting to repeat. Oh man, I get, uh, go a little bit further down. I finally got to Sugar Magnolia. I'm like, oh, Sugar great. <laughs> and then Ripple and then, uh, Rip, yeah, Ripple. And then my favorite on the album is Broke Down Palace. Okay, and I think that comes. It might come right after Ripple. It's it's in that back half of songs that are all grade eight, but yeah, broke down palaces might be the most beautiful song that Robert Hunter ever wrote. It, it's a, it's a toss up between that one and a couple others, but it's that, that album is a near perfect album for me. It's, it's a good road trip album. It very, it really is. Um, I, I've been driving a lot cause there's yeah. nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. So um, my girlfriend and I drove to Austin yesterday just to drive to Austin. Sure. We, we like got a pizza and just oh, nice. hung out. We, walk through the park and I mean we didn't want to go to any bars or anything because yeah. we're you know with the quarantine going on but I mean that album played all the way through and it, it just it makes so much sense why people wanted to follow them mm-hmm. and play the records on the way exactly yeah <laughs> awesome well hey um, Brandon thank you so much for coming on um, this has been a good this has been a lot of fun I had a blast um, so coming up next we have uh, Brandon Poitier pa- pa- that works Pagier Pagier Brandon Pagier covering Grateful Dead's Friend of the Devil <laughs> I lived up from Reno, I was trailed by 20 hounds Didn't get to sleep that night till morning came around Said I'll run it, but I take my time Friend of the devil is a friend of mine I get home before daylight Just might get some sleep tonight Devil baby loaned me 20 bills. I spent the night in Utah in a cave up in the hills. Said I was running, but I take my time, friend. The devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight. I ran down to the levee 
but the devil called me there Took my twenty dollar bill and he vanished in the air Said I'll run it but I take my time Friend if the devil is a friend of mine I get home before daylight Just might get some sleep tonight Got to reason why I cry away each lonely night. First one leaves me, yeah, Marie, she's my heart's delight. Second one is prison, babe, the sheriff's on my trail. If he catches up with me, I'll spend my life in. Got a wife in Trina Bay and a one in Cherokee. First one says she got my child, but it don't look like me. Said I was running, but I take my time, friend. If the devil is a friend of mine, I get home before daylight. Just might get some sleep tonight. Cry away each lonely night. First one named Sweet Emery, she's my heart's delight. Second one is present, babe, the is on my trail. If he catches up with me, I'll spend my life in you. I got a wife in Chino Bay. First one says she got my child, but it don't look like me. Said I was running, but I take my time, friend. If the devil is a friend of mine, I get home before daylight. Just might get some sleep too.